Hey, 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 it's MMA and Beyond, episode 112. Ray Longo, there's 112 hours of us having conversations somewhere out there on the internet. People are listening. We're, we're, we're reaching so many countries. Welcome back, brother. Man, it's good to be here. It's my, uh, my way back into civilization. <laughs> Man, I, I did a, enjoy. This is fun. Back in. This is fun, but I enjoyed seeing you at the gym, man. I miss, I miss the gym. I miss yeah, it so is, much. This is as close as we get. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. We got Steve Lee in the house. We got Jason. We have the doc. We got Manimal. What's up, Manimal? You're edgy tonight. You're edgy. I'm just me. working through sobriety without a fight. I've never done this before. It's very interesting. So, uh, oh no, I'm lying. I, I worked at a forensic psych uh, unit. I used to work at the G building when it was still there. Uh, one of the reasons it closed probably was me. No, but uh, I had to not smoke because I did a half follow through that. But that was like when I was 22, 23. I don't remember much about that time in my life. But this is proving rough for my wife. I'm oh, I'm sure. Deal with, apparently. I'm sure. How about you, Steve Lee? How are you holding up, buddy? Oh, yeah, I'm surviving. Not doing too bad. Still getting some workouts in, so I can't be too uh, can't be too mad. What are you yeah, What are you right. eating during the podcast, uh, Steve? Share it with us. I already <laughs> devoured it. I was eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but as like the plate is gone, it's done. Oh wow! Oh, you had the Ezekiel bread. I had the Ezekiel bread. Oh, they've been saving me, right? Oh my god! Every day, that's it. Ezekiel I'm bread is good. Yeah, I'm no, with it's you. It's a. It's a. You toast it, right? Oh, I toast it, yeah. Yeah, no, you got depends almost burned. Depends what I'm feeling. Oh, Steve Lee going raw dog with the Ezekiel you eat bread. Do you frozen sometimes too, Steve? <laughs> What's up? What's up, Do you eat it just straight frozen out of the package? Don't even frost it? Frozen out of the package. The Ezekiel bread, I usually keep it frozen. Wait, do you yeah, get no. uh, smooth peanut butter, though? Yeah, sometimes Steve makes a flying saucer out of his <laughs> puts ice cream. I like pistachio flying saucers. I can't even eat on this podcast. I didn't even eat oh, on the po- before this podcast. This <laughs> I mean, you had to wait till the podcast to start eating. I was starving. Starving. I want you at 845. <laughs> I can't believe you're harassed with it right now. It's an interrogation. For your food. How are you doing, the doc? Extra con- uh, crunchy peanut butter. How are you feeling, doc? Feel good. Yeah, keeping busy and training and learning a new language and keeping myself uh, trying to stay positive. What I'm, language I'm, is that? Pig, pig Latin? Yeah, Pig Latin. <laughs> it's the only way I can communicate with you, Ray. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how about that? About a, yeah. Did you ever talk to <laughs> Stevie Lutton? <Lutt. laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to learn manimal. Manimal? No. Nobody. Manimal knows manimal. As the saying goes, "Ichney on an animal lay." <laughs> the manimal has the king of all the animals. I speak like eight thousand different animal dialects. Another manimal promo. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, jump right in there, manimal Doolittle. Just jump right in. Manimal Doolittle. <laughs> Doc, have you been? Um, have you been? keeping up with everything are you are you tasked with any of this are you excited about any of this uh advancements that we're, we're understanding a little bit more it looks like it looks like jujitsu will start any day now 
It feels oh, yeah. to me. Any, any, <laughs> Don't lie to yourself. Any day in 2021. <laughs> any day now, I feel like I'm going to be Any rolling. day in 2021, yeah. I'm telling you, people are cracking. Like, I'm not saying good thing, but it's unfortunate. Like, it's, it's happening. Like, this is... Uh, yeah. I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'm about the most rational second. person I know. And I'm... <laughs> I'm two seconds from from just oh. fuck it. I feel I'm, I'm like, like taking like a stance. I'm I'm having like a Sir William Wallace moment. A William Wallace. Like, like I'm like ride. I'm like is this am I really alive? Like if this <laughs> is this saving me to be? Would I rather die here doing this than than uh, than living the way? Like I'm having a a, a freedom An existential freedom crisis. Are you? Yeah. I'm I am, I am as well, and I, and I think that, you know, Governor Cuomo, we're, we're lucky to be in a state where he's listening to, you know, everybody taking in the information and doing the best he can to make a, a reach, an appropriate regional rollout at the right time. And we're going to have, a, you know, a living, a living experiment down in Florida and Georgia in the next month or so, so we'll see whether or not, you know, their rollout is, is going to be functional or not. Well, I think um, we're going to see an, an experiment on human behavior as well, because, again, yes. how do we feel? It's, it's not like it's happening there and we're not watching that shit on TV. Like when I see people running on the beach in Florida, I almost lose my shit. Like, right. I'm like, wait a second. Like, I could do that. Like, I can responsibly go to a beach and keep six feet away. Like, right. I start, so watching other people do that will be interesting. Watching but, but other people have haircuts when I have, my hair hasn't been this long since I was in elementary school. Yeah. yeah. But, but did you see the rollout in Australia where they're actually ahead of, of where we are on, on, the, on the curve, right? On the, on the flattening. Um, and, you know, they opened the beaches up to ex for exercise. And what they showed was that people went back to, you know, just the, the pre, you know, lockdown, uh, you know, society again, just using the beaches as, as they were yeah. before, really not dancing and whatever. I, I, I think I told you before, I went up just to, to look at the water the other day. It was beautiful. Um, took a drive. And uh, I counted 47 people up by the beach in a tailgating party. Three people, including myself, who were sitting in a car with a mask, uh, were wearing masks. <laughs> Jason, so, is everybody at Starbucks? What? What happened? Is everybody at Starbucks? <laughs> Everyone at Starbucks wearing a mask? You know, is, there just, no, no. is it just a huge lines every day? Oh, yeah. No, it's disgustingly long. <laughs> I heard grocery stores are up 26%. Yeah. And liquor, like ten thousand restaurants are going to close, and grocery stores are killing it. Yeah, I tell you, Steve, I was at uh, I was at Starbucks today. I mean, it's it's literally, it's twenty minutes to a half hour wait in your car. That's not That's bad. Crazy. Yeah, I'm going to say, yeah, twenty on the low side. No, no more than a half hour though. It's about. Yeah, that's not bad. Wow, that's crazy. That's just saying crazy. that's yeah. not bad. Well, you're I, you're in, you, on Sunrise you Highway. If you get 30 minutes, you're lucky. That's crazy. Wow. You're Why really lucky. You your own coffee at this point. I don't understand. What was that? I just don't understand. Why wouldn't you just make your own coffee at this point? I don't know. Keep quiet. I'm, 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 I'm addicted <laughs> to cold brew, I guess. I have an addiction at this point. Can we make cold brew at the house? Like, yeah, yeah, we, we can. 
Yeah. Have the Not, technology for this, you're saying. You have the tech- I always make iced coffee. I, I do the 45 cup urn. Yeah. <laughs> and I just pour it out into all the plastic cups I've accumulated. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I could do it, but I, I really just uh, look, first off, it gets me out. I get to at least drive and see some sort of <laughs> civilization. And losing his mind, too. I see it. And then, you know, when I'm, on, when I'm online, I just start making phone calls. So I kill. The first <laughs> I mean, sitting in my house making calls or I'm sitting online getting my coffee making calls. So what's the difference? <laughs> I went on what? a date today. Me and my wife, we went to Stop and Shop. You know, that's like date day. And then we ran into Billy Tatch, too, at Stop and Shop. Oh, wow. It was nice, actually. I was like, you want to do some jujitsu? He was like, get the fuck away from me. That's how it goes. What Stop and Shop was that? The one in Garden City. I wanted to take a ride. The one in Westbury. Because over well, you- here in the hood, you can't get certain things that you could get in Westbury. In Westbury, they're out of pasta. That I get in the hood. So, so you, dro- you drove all the way up to Long Island. He did. Took wow. me 20 minutes. There's no cars on the road. Wait, is this the one over by the gym by Barnes yeah. Noble there? Yeah, it took me 20 minutes. There's no cars out. Wow. I don't want to stay in Brooklyn all day. I mean, I love. Was Brooklyn. that crowd? Was it crowded, Manimal? Packed. Wow. No, very wow. bad social distancing too. That's crazy. It was bad social. About the markets in uh, what about the markets in Brooklyn? Huh? What about the markets in Brooklyn? Are they packed too? Packed, but in Brooklyn, it's like a more of a police state. So the cops are there in the parking lot, facing you in, so that oh wow, it would take me an hour to get into the one across. The- I have a supermarket across the street from my house, but sometimes it could take an hour to get in. Christ, that's crazy. Is this facing you out only? And- in the no, no, Steve, Steve, do you uh, have any objection to him bringing his filth to Long Island? I mean, is this is can't, you disrespect is there, the man is, like this? Is there a hotline? <laughs> Is there a hotline we can report him to? <laughs> Listen, just what remember where I'm from. Snitches get buried, not stitches. No one better be calling on me. What's the, whist- what's the whistleblower hotline? Oh my what's God. The, <laughs> the COVID uh, uh, appropriate <laughs> number for if you, you know see many- something, say something? <laughs> Man, well, can you, you know how many light? stitches are in the, the bay over here? Forget it. Don't, don't Man, well, sneak on me and wind up one you of give us your license plate number before the end of the show? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> a whole society of snitches. Manimal, good to see you're doing well. Um, what? It's good to see you're doing well, buddy. Oh, yeah, good. Look at this flexibility, bro. Come on, look at that. Whoa. Great flexibility because Steve Lee, I'll be fucking damned. I see you training. So that's why I had to stop smoking. I was like, there's no way that I'm going to get tired going with Steve um, Lee. I'm you know, not going to catch me slacking. What can I I'm say? I'm an inspiration, Manimal. I don't know. What they open the gym, I'm going to be in fight shape because send me to fucking Fight Island. I'm ready. Jesus Christ. I, oh, no. Another promo. I, we got to stop giving him these another opportunities. Promo. He does. I'm, not, I'm really not trying to do it. I'm just out of my mind right now. You just sold me Fight Island. I want you Ray, to fight on there now. I'm, Ray asked him I'll swim where there. he went to, what stop and shop he went to. And we ended up on Fight that. Island yeah. watching how flexible yeah. he is. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Hold on, let me bring it back. Yeah, yeah, really. He's back. He's back. Speaking of Fight Island. Yeah, yeah, so Stop and Shop in Westbury was good, but they were out of pasta. So, so I wonder what happens with like how that, how they're doing that in Florida, like how they're doing that kind of social distancing. Like, does do they do you have to bring in a police force to to monitor that, or is you just kind of 
do you really leave it on to it all the same people who needed who needed Lysol to say don't drink us? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, people were eating Tide Pods a few months ago, so this doesn't surprise me. Yeah. That's part of the Trumptini. Well, <laughs> yeah. no, I think it, it was interesting to see that that was a, you know, there is there is an element of the population that that will use Lysol like it's Banaka. And this is why we're screwed, trust me. This is where we're at, yeah. When they, the when, they say that, when they say that trusting people to do the right thing as a, you know, like in conjunction with the rollouts, that's your answer. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, that's your answer. So I think it gives, you, it gives you a little foresight in how that rollout's going to go. That's actually depressing. That's I'm so the nervous number, for it. There's a number of people calling the hotlines on five times this week about that. That's why yeah. I'm nervous for that, for that, for that uh, rollout, because I, I don't want it to get ruined. Like you go and you do it responsibly, and then you have to go back in for another however long. Right. Well, that would be Florida, right? super depressing. Yeah. yeah. Georgia you know opened their barbers and stuff. You know what's sad now is that, you know, it used to be, it used to carry mace around. Now you got to carry a thing of Lysol around. That's your new mate. <laughs> you just start spraying people All down. All the pandemic did was make him have there new jokes. Yeah. Exactly horrible. That's it. Oh, what are you like? Oh, so I can't have new jokes because of the <laughs> pandemic. Well, that was the thing. He said, you know, he was expecting from me, but he's got some as well. That's it. Lysol is the new mace. Remember that. You just pull down your little mask and no one's coming close to you. What's it's incredible. The new martini. <laughs> What's what? Rocks the breakfast of champions. Yeah, no, I don't know, but. Uh, oh, Doc, I had a question. What do you think? About I know my favorite chef. Night now roll in a hazmat suit. Boy, R D. <laughs> can Can you use the hazmat suit to do a gee choke? No, just do jujitsu in the hazmat suit. I'll put the full suit on, everything, and then we can like, do jujitsu. At least like a poncho. Huh? At least like a I'll do the full thing. I think he'll come in zipped up. It'll be like crazy weight cut <laughs> too. Might might be tough to breathe, but yeah, and you could do it. I mean, I I think I I think I wore a disposable one to clean out uh, Ray's old gym, if I'm not mistaken. No, oh, yeah. I used to have to wear them when we made. Uh... Yeah, from the fr from how Ray described his old gym, I feel like if you trained in there or took any part of cleaning it out you should probably be covid safe yeah no yeah no, no, so, so steve that's the way i described the first gym she's talking about the second gym was a which was a big step up but still she needed the hazmat suit to get under that ring it was not good actually under that ring was bad john jones wouldn't have been able to stay under that ring for seven years. he would have been like happened. all right all right, you got me. You no, got no, no. One. <laughs> he would have got bit by something. <laughs> but the first gym, the first gym, the first gym was brutal. Brutal. Oh, Steve, I like the new shirts. Oh, thanks, buddy. Well, know, shirts, those are good. I got to put my order in. How many did you buy? Uh, I'll buy one for me, one for Joe. Very good. But, wait, what new shirts? Huh? What new lost shirts? You didn't see them? No. Get on social media, man. Come on. Is it hey, wait, on uh, Law's Instagram? Yeah. All right. Awesome. I'll check We're it out. We're looking to, for people to support the gym in this time of need. 
Oh, that was good, Ray. Because I have to that make a really top payment. Speaking of benevolence, let me just plug, uh, let me plug the gift. Give uh, the give program, man. I, I tell you one thing. Again, I was blown away this week, Steve, by uh -huh. the generosity. I received a box of just all protein, shrimps, uh, salmon, chicken, uh, ground beef. It was unbelievable. And I think it's a, it's, I don't really know much about it uh, to speak about it like the promoter, but it's called the give program. Check it out. It really supports the trainers. Uh, on Long Island and I believe in New York. And I think, you know, for a donation and they, somebody must've donated money and I, I received a box, I think I, I'm, I'm sure it's something like that, but uh, anybody really willing to do something nice, man, check out the gift program. It was a great, uh, what a, what a surprise I got uh, just with a big box of meat. That was fantastic, man. We cooked it up and uh, really really great stuff so uh shout out to the give program man it's uh takes care of all the trainers on long island and uh just it seems like a great 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 institution what and that's a shout out to the give program that's the give program check it out and see how you can participate and who you can send a special gift to as well you know it, it's uh ray longo coming out of of this quarantine with a lot of people helping out a sense of community crazy what's better than this i gotta give back i have a lot of giving back to do a lot of giving back to do. what happened right there was there were Don't you gonna start in the pandemic <laughs> wait hold on a second i think i i heard something some, did somebody say something Steve? <laughs> <laughs> when when manimals attack the first time you were ever on the show we called it when manimals attack I don't, he, he didn't stop talking yeah, he's he starting a new program it's called give to me it's the give to me program <laughs> so steve i like the i like the idea of new shirts brother yeah no do you have, um do you have um do you have uh is it going to roll out a, a, a whole new product line like rash guards and everything else? Um, down the line, we'd like to, but right now, just, you know, uh, at least for now, we have new t-shirts going through the online store that we can actually, you know, like have for uh, sale because, you know, the gym's obviously not open, so our in-store is not available. So at least this way, you know, um, we still have something going on that way. Uh, people can come in, you know, support the gym till. Awesome, man. So we'll Did keep a look at that. Did you tell of the proceeds go to Ray Longo? To go directly to Ray Longo. None of, I promise you, none of those proceeds will go to Ray Longo. <laughs> Misha Tate. Hello, Misha. Hold How's on. it going? I'm trying to get my, I can't hear you guys. All um, right. We can hear you, if that's a thing. Sometimes with Zoom, you have to allow for the mics and everything else. It says connecting. Wow. We all good? We have an actual celebrity on here. What do we do? Yeah. Yeah. Pretend like we're normal. Oh. But, can you can you hear us okay? Now I can hear you. Yeah. Hi, right, welcome, Misha Tate. Let me try to put my headphones in and see if I yes. hear me? No. Okay. We can hear I you. <laughs> okay, I couldn't hear you guys with my headphones in, but that's okay. If if I sound all right here, then we'll just do this one. You sound great. Good morning to you. Thanks for coming on. Good late afternoon to you. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. We were just talking about uh, we've all been quarantined, going crazy, 
um, here on here in Long Island, and uh, we're talking about how when things get going back in the gym and fights and everything else, how are you guys doing over there? Oh man, um, I mean everything's shut down here in Singapore, so no gyms are open, not even private gyms. So really confined to working out in the four walls of our own home. And um, you know, this is the first time for me that I've lived in a, in, a, in a condo, like in a in a high rise kind of you know. So I don't have space. I'm used to space. I'm from Washington. <laughs> I'm from the right. Pacific Northwest. I grew up on five acres. So. Like I'm really used to space and I'm, I, you know, living here has been a great experience, but being confined to this space, luckily we do have a patio, but other than that, um, you know, it's, it's pretty, yeah, it's, it's a big adjustment. It is a big adjustment and I'm definitely trying to stay optimistic and not complain, but there's those days when you just feel sorry for yourself anyways, and you're like, this sucks. Um, but you know what, it could be a heck of a lot worse. We're healthy. We're well, um, every, you know, everything's going good with the pregnancy and with, you know, with Amaya, she, we've gotten into a routine as weird as it is, right. It's such a big adjustment to just have to like stay indoors and, and at first I just didn't know what to do with myself. I felt like I had too much time, but now I've, I've like reinvented the wheel, so to speak, of my life. I started doing yoga inside. I feel like my life will never be the same, right? It's like, I'm not going to go back to, to totally normal now. Like, it's just different. No. Everything on Zoom. Like, we're looking at each other on Zoom. We're doing like all these, all my conferences are on Zoom now. So it's a totally different world. And I think this is going to kind of open up... Um, a lot of different uh, ways of of how we work and how we integrate as a as a culture. And it, it might be interesting to see the shift even when we kind of go back to normal. How are things yeah. in New York? It's the same. Everything's still closed. Yeah. I only see Longo now from uh, from Zoom as well, and we we're just Hi, talking Ray. about that. What's up, Misha? How you been? Hey, I'm hanging in there. How about you? Yeah, good. Long time no see. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. I'm glad to see you're doing well, my friend. Yeah, We're thank you. And I'm, and I'm very, very happy for you with the uh, one championship. Right? What a great opportunity that is. Yeah, and it's been it's been incredible. You know, actually, there was a um, a documentary that Chantri Sitjadjong, the the um, CEO and founder of One Championship, for those of you who may not know, he posted it today, and I haven't seen it in years. I was 24 years old. And this was back when, before I was really in strike force, um, before I was, I mean, even the UFC was even a thought. And it was so interesting, like kind of looking back on the history of like, not just my evolution, but kind of the evolution of women's MMA, um, you know, brought back a lot of memories. I was training at Dennis Hallman's. I was living in a small 22 foot RV outside of like a barn essentially that was turned into a gym with padded walls and I was just talking about passion and desire and like my dreams of like wanting to pursue it and it was just so interesting to go back and like relive those memories like I know you've been in this game for a long time right so you've seen tons of evolution of this sport but taking a back step back in time and seeing like man that's that's where i started and now i'm here living in singapore as the vice president of one championship and i have a beautiful family and like so much has happened you know i was the ufc world champion the strike force world champion it's um man it, it was really cool to kind of reflect on like where i started and see the passion and drive and like where it's landed me now 
Yeah, it's funny because I was going to tell you, I saw the documentary and it's absolute, it, you know, it's short. It's not a long documentary, but it, at least the part I saw was. Yeah, it's a snippet. It's a snippet. Yeah. Oh, it's a snippet of it? Yeah, it was absolutely yeah. fascinating to go back and see where you've come from and what you've accomplished. And like you said, living out of uh, an RV and uh, uh, yeah, so I thought that was home and I wasn't even sure. I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him in years, but uh well, well, let me I, just clear the air. Yeah. Some of that footage, the, the B-roll footage that they have in there, <laughs> like the really messy guys that lived in the loft above. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Sure we did not have like <laughs> dirty socks and dirty dishes everywhere. <laughs> like I kept, I kept our RV clean. Like it was yeah, good. Yeah. But the messy <laughs> guys that lived, we had like a, we had like a, oh, so in the gym, we had a loft that didn't even close like you just could look out i mean you could jump out you could jump out there's not even like a bear you could just jump out i mean you probably hurt yourself or you wouldn't want to jump out but i'm saying you could literally fall out of it onto the mat and it's like you know one story up and then we had like this um what did we call it the shack the fighter shack and and there was like two beds on each side um and they lived in there too and then we had our 22 foot rv but like the roll the footage is kind of from everything all together so some of it looks really messy and disgusting I'm like that is not how i know we lived really simple but we didn't live disgusting yeah you know it's it, it's funny because to go back listen you could have looked at that documentary and have accomplished nothing you know but you could see the yeah. passion that you had and the dedication not knowing where this sport was going, where you were going. But like you said, you would have rather have tried and failed and at least known that you exhausted every possibility. But to end up where you ended up is really just another success story. That's just phenomenal. I recommend everybody just take a look at it because you could see the evolution and really what you accomplish is, is crazy. Look, my first gym, the rats were bigger than the students. I'm not even joking. I mean, they, so we've all come a long way. It's, it's really crazy. but. There was a time where, you know, I would train people at midnight. Like, there was no... Yeah, like you loved same. what you did. You didn't care. You would it was go at midnight, 1 a.m. I remember sometimes wow. I would just be like, man, I, I have this move that I couldn't pull off today in the gym or take down or I got submitted with this. And it, I would just obsess over it. I would obsess over it. And finally, like, I would be like, can we go in the gym and work on this at 1, 1 in the morning? Yeah. Like, Isn't that crazy? And that was the beautiful part of about living, you know, 25 feet from the gym and and yeah. like yes we went without any normal amenities like we didn't use the bathroom in the rv so like even in the dead of winter cold as hell frozen snow on the ground we had to like walk our little happy asses over to the gym which also had no heat we we used what did we use we used like propane or like yeah like i think there was propane but it no was you saw the tanks in the video you had yeah, propane tanks the yeah. mats would be frozen. I'm not even kidding you. They would be frozen. They'd be rock hard at the beginning of practice. And we would have to use a combination of body heat and like these propane heaters. But the heaters were, um, they were like flame. I don't know, like, I, I don't know what was you it call like them. They took all the oxygen out of the room. Yeah. No, it was, I saw the heaters in the document. Two little 
like kerosene yeah. heaters, it looked like, or uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And but they yeah. were like open flame, like you didn't want to touch them, like because they, yeah. they they were hot to the outside. They weren't like the little like nice little heaters. <laughs> I was like, no. And the oxygen would be like gone in the room because they would burn it all. So we were like. It was almost like training at frozen altitude. Um, what, year was, what year was that are we talking about? What year was that? Oh, man. Okay, so let me think back here. This would have been 2010. Or, oh, no, so it was too. Oh, my gosh. I'm trying to remember here. So, no, it had to be before that. Um, probably about 2008. Oh, wow. It must have been, yeah. But I'm trying to think back too, because I said I was 24 in the documentary, but um, I feel like maybe I did have one fight already in Strike Force then. So maybe it could have been um, 2009 or 2010. Oh, wow. It could have been like right away. Yeah, I say 2009 is a safe bet. We'll just yeah, say yeah, yeah. that. That's so yeah. crazy. I mean, for anyone listening, we're listening to Misha Tate, definitely a pioneer in the sport. And we're listening to what that mindset sounds like. So Steve, Steve Lee and I made video eye contact while, she was, while, while Misha was telling a story. And the things you were saying when you were obsessing, you know, that's, that's what being a multi-time, multi-time world champion, that's what that mindset sounds like, where you can't sleep, you can't, you, you breathe the sport in that sense. How has yeah. the sport evolved in, the, in, in, in that decade for you? And how do you feel about how it's evolved? Oh, my gosh. I, honestly, when I, it, it's like night and day. I mean, you, it's, it's almost like two different sports. I would say it's changed that much. Um, and even the mentality of the fighters now, you know, like, like, like fighters actually have an opportunity to make a good living at that time. I still feel like even what was considered a good living was still like an average salary, you know, like the top guys probably, you know what I mean? Making like, oh, you know, like, like teacher wages, you know, which is, yeah, you can definitely get by and survive and great, but you're not thriving, right? You're just kind of like, you're getting, you know, you're getting by, you're doing well, but you're not thriving. And these guys, man, the way that, that we used to train was definitely harder, not smarter, you know, like Ray, you can probably attest to this too. You know, back in the day, everybody just went hard. We fought almost every day in the gym, you know, that was how it was done. I mean, there wasn't a lot of science or research or anything back. So you had a lot of these really tough guys and a few gals who just had this harder, you know, go hard. That's how you train, you know, every day. There was no recovery. There was no, um, like, let's, you know, dial it back. Let's peak at a certain time. It wasn't, we didn't, we, we didn't have the ability or the insight to see that far into the sport. And now it is really developed into a, into a sport with, you know, and the commissions are involved and, there's more rules and and like feel like when I first started, you know, I mean, I was fighting on reservations and I was, um, you know, fighting my, my pro debut was a tournament all in one night. It was supposed to be three fights in one night. I only made it to two. Um, when I got my, I got head kicked by Caitlin Young and well, that was a story for another day. But the point in case is that the sport at that time, this was 2007 when I turned pro 2006, when I started fighting, um, it was just not, it wasn't at all where it is say, it wasn't even cons- widely accepted as a real sport. It was still deemed, you know, the human cockfighting and violent and ugly and for barbarians, you know what I mean? Barbaric people that were, 
just, you know, not widely accepted. It was hard to get sponsors or hard to get support because people saw it as so grotesque. And um, we just lacked, uh, we lacked support in major ways that we have support now uh, for the athletes to really excel and the financial means for them to pursue excelling as well. You know, I mean, people can fly training partners in, you know, they can afford, you know, most of the time they can afford to do that. Um, And, uh, you know, granted you're not still at the very beginning of the sport I mean, you start to make a little bit a little bit and i'm not saying there's a ton of money in the sport yet but it's definitely changed the landscape of what it looked like you know a decade ago to what it looks like now is a huge difference yeah i i, I i'll I, i'll just add to what you said but i used to look at it as like an arms race back then nobody really knew everybody was looking for another way yeah. to train but the beautiful thing about that period was it it really you had to innovate it made you think of different ways of uh, how to get an up on, you know, the opponent and how to train like that. But the information just wasn't there. I mean, I remember going to a fight with Matt. We really didn't know how to make weight. I remember that there was a fight at Gil Castillo. I don't know if you remember him. It was from the Gracie camp. And, uh, I mean, he saved us. He, he knew something about weight cutting, and right. he saved us. You know what I mean? Because nobody really had the, the water loading yet and all the things that you do today. Right. And, uh, yeah. You know, even, Doc, I don't even know if you go back uh, that far, but, you know, even with the IV was a big deal, you know, back then, which yeah, now you can't do. You know, they took that away. Right. But at that time, it was a, was a huge thing to even have somebody IV you. So it was a crazy right. period of time. But it was it was exciting because anything new was really like you just jumped at it. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and, yeah, and, and, and it was small too, you know, so I feel like a lot of people, even though we were, you know, in the fight industry and, you know, potentially, you know, it, it was weird how the camaraderie was back then, right? I mean, I wouldn't say weird, maybe it may be weird compared to now, but I feel like back in the locker rooms, it was still small world, you know, and, and even sometimes the corner of somebody else would like help you in a way, like if you're struggling to make weight, they oh, give without you a doubt. To, you know what I mean? Like they would or give you the advice or share the knowledge. And it was still so small that everybody kind of was still family in a way, even if you were fighting each other, you know, um, it, we were, we kind of all had to be in it together in the beginning to get anywhere. And that's kind of, that's how, how I saw it anyways, initially. Yeah, no, no, agree. Really, uh, and just even the fact of what you said, you know, you'd get up at one o'clock in the morning if you want to work a move, you still had that, you know, just that kid-like enthusiasm, you know what I mean? And it just, whatever it was going to take. I remember when Matt, I'll give you a funny story, when Matt fought St. Pierre for the first time, Joe Rogan had a talk show, and I'll never forget it. Matt went on the show, and he was in the green room, and he heard Dana and Joe laughing about how he was going to get the shit beat out of him. Now, these are two friends of his. So right. he walks out on the show and he goes to both and he goes, you guys really think I'm going to get the shit beat out of me? And, I, you know, they were like backtracking and Rogan was kind of saying, no, well, it's just that, you know, you opened up another school. We don't know when you're going to have the time to train. You know, they were going that route. But what they didn't realize, there is no time to train. I would train him at midnight. It didn't matter. We were going to accomplish a goal. We didn't care when it was going to be. There was no group sessions. Uh, you got to make the team practice. Everybody be here. Yeah. Whenever we felt like training, we were training. And we were there for each other like 24-7, whatever it took. But uh, And obviously it worked out well. But that those were the days, man. Like it's, it's hard to replicate that now. Like if somebody yeah. said, meet me at 1 in the morning, 
Uh, now I'd probably go, I'm not doing it. You know, back then I wouldn't even hesitate. <laughs> I wouldn't hesitate. I'd but go I flying think the out of the house. part is the perspective that we have. And a lot of people who are getting into this sport uh, like a little bit later, um, it's just so much more refined and they probably most likely will not ever get to experience what exactly. it was like back then. And that exactly. kind of mind. You know, I could see it. You know, they come, they have group practices, you know, they get personal attention also, but you can't expect the same camaraderie when everybody was like learning together and coming up together. Like you said, even in the locker room, we were saved by another camp. I'm not even yeah. joking. Us, we would have been, we would have been screwed, you know. And then it was just on the job training. You just kept going. You guys and made it, weight then? Pardon me. You guys made weight after that? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, hundred percent. So yeah, what, I, did I think, what did he help you with? What were the tips he gave you at that time? I think it was just the uh, was uh, really cutting out the carbs. I guess. it was nothing crazy, you know what I mean. He just he uh, I'd have to ask Matt exactly what it was, but um, it was more he gave him confidence and being able to eat certain things without worrying. Like we just you okay. didn't know. So when you don't know, like if I'm going to eat this salad. Is it going to hold the weight or whatever? Right. He just salt, really got gave the, hard, gave the confidence, really. It was more like that. We're, we're talking about 2005. So we're five yeah. years even before when you were talking wow. about it, 2009. We're in whenever Matt yeah. started. It could have been 2003. I don't know. But it was far enough back to where we, you, a lot of people didn't really know. And then, you you know, I would ask like a boxing guy, how do you make weight? They, they were still going on the, you know, wearing the rubber suits and getting on the, the bike in the sauna. <laughs> they, they were just, right. nobody had, there was, and these were great guys. Nobody had any common sense approach to making weight when I look back on it, you know, but, you know, yes. Yeah, so, you know, it was more just having confidence and having somebody who, who had done it before and it worked for them and you trusted them. It was more like that. Gotcha. Yeah. So it wasn't my quarantine uh, dinner, you're saying? Was no, that wasn't. Yeah, it, was, it, it might have been close. Donuts? Though. What is that? Is that? It's Dunkin'. It was Dunkin' Donuts Munchkins. What's <laughs> that? And now, um, yeah, not so many in there. Is that actually still like? Does Dunkin' Donuts do something like chicken, or is it like literally? Did you eat sugar? No, it's it's. I no, ate sugar for dinner. This is, we were we were talking. Awesome. Before this, it's been a while since I've had Dunkin' and Donuts, so I I don't know if they've expanded. I think they do breakfast sandwiches, right? Yes. I'm sure they do a lot of yeah. healthier options than what I chose. Not that but I. Uh, hey, I am not judging. I am not one to judge right now. My quarantine diet is nothing for me to boast about. So I don't know if you guys follow any of my like cooking snaps and everything like that. I mean, every once in a while I'm making hummus and stuff, but I mean, I'm getting in the nitty gritty. I. I decided I'm basically going to travel in my kitchen. So it's like we've been picking different themes for different nights. We did, um, last night was enchiladas. We did Mexican, uh, all from scratch, except for the corn tortillas. I didn't go that extensive, but I made the sauce and everything. And then we did India the other night. We did dal with like homemade, uh, what do you call that bread? The uh, naan bread garlic naan and cheese bread. And then, uh, where did we go before that? <laughs> oh, Thailand, right? So I made some some like Thai Thai chicken um, and some st mango sticky rice. Oh, I love that stuff. Oh, so you, you were basically at Epcot in your, in your, <laughs> yeah. in your condo. You yeah. made it, your condo yeah. Epcot at Disney World. Exactly. Just with all the different pavilions. That's right. Oh, yeah, I, I don't want to hog the conversation, Misha, but 
Anybody have a question for Misha? Because I feel like I'm hogging the conversation a little I, bit. I, first of all, there was a moment that I had there because I am forever a nerd that the conversation is between two MMA great minds. I mean, Ray Longo speaking with Misha Tate. We're happy to, to listen to this, Ray. And, um, and no, there, there, were, there were a couple questions. One more personal question I wanted to ask was, so in your transition, not only outside, and it seems to me like you, you think of it nostalgically and you don't, it, it doesn't really call you to compete, at least not in, in, I think I heard you say maybe in grappling, but not in, in uh, MMA. But how was the transition from not only leaving a legend, then becoming a mom, raising your daughter in a completely different culture than what you were raised in, uh, and now really building that life? How, did fighting, did that mindset and that adjustable mindset also help you excel? Because you're doing great and you're, you're here on one, I'm, I'm on your one page. You're, you're blogging, you're vlogging, you're contributing, you're, you're a writer. I mean, you're, you're thriving there as well. Is this that MMA mindset that also helped you transition into to what you're doing now? Well, you know what? I, I really attribute 90% of my success to the mindset that I started developing when I would say I was a teenager or, you know, maybe... Well, maybe developing is accurate, but I would say discovering. I discovered that I had something in me, um, a drive, a desire, and it came out through competition. That was where I really saw myself shine. You know, I wasn't um, super driven in school. You know, I did well. Like, I I think it was my, uh, my, my freshman year, I was in honors English, and I played in bands. And I, you know, I, I did extracurricular things, maybe more than, than what just getting by, but I really seemed to find my interest to be competitive and pull the most of myself when it came to, to sports. And, um, you know, it's been the one thing, one consistent thing in my life as everything else changes in life, you know, um, we have to be ready to adjust at any moment's chance. Like that's been the thing that has been my rock, my soul, my solid, my solitude, my, my everything. And so, um, when I retired from mixed martial arts, you know, I knew that that chapter was closed, but I didn't really know exactly how I was going to translate that into the rest of my life. It's kind of like, well, now what, you know? Mm -hmm. And I spent, um, I spent a, a, it was maybe a year um, where I was kind of just trying to figure it out. Like, what was I going to do now? And um, then that's when I kind of messaged Chaudhry and, and to, to see if I could be a part of one championship, you know, uh, the the UFC like they never really came anything to exact fruition where I was going to be able to have a secure job with the UFC um I tried out to be a commentator for that it could have been a totally different route I could definitely still be a part of the UFC right now if I got hired on as a commentator but you know destiny has a way of seeking you out if you're just open-minded and if you will take risks and get outside of your comfort zone, and I am way outside of it right now, I will be honest, being in Singapore, moving halfway across the world, adjusting to culture, taking my nine month old daughter, you know, and uprooting her and Johnny and us living abroad with no family nearby, a 15 hour time zone difference between my parents and I at any given time. I mean, there are so many um, sacrifices that we have made to be where we're at right now, but I'm so grateful that 
everything's worked out the way that it has. And um, I think, you know, to your question about mindset, I mean, sure, there's there, I think that that's going to be something that's going to apply to every part of my life for the rest of my life, because I don't really know how to be any other way. Um, you know, I'm trying to learn and expand and, and grow, but I mean, this is the foundation of who I am. And this is how, this is how I know how to live. You know, it's, it's the risk. I'm a risk taker. I will do crazy things and move halfway across the world and, and, and in pursuit of new adventure and new challenge. Um, that's just, that's just who I am. I, and I, I don't see that ever changing. Yeah. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. I love that. Uh, did Emmanuel, did you have a question for, for Misha? I saw you try to jump in a couple of times. I was just curious what sports you played, uh, when you were younger, did you, did you have a wrestling background? Right. So I started wrestling when I was 15. Um, so I was pretty late to the game. Um, but I, I was old for my grade. So I was a freshman. Um, I was a freshman and I wrestled all four years, but I only wrestled in season as well. I didn't wrestle like, you know, a lot of the wrestlers do extracurricular on the outside. They join clubs and whatever. I didn't do any of that. You know, we, we um, like, I didn't grow up uh, privileged or with a lot of money which is totally, I'm so glad that I didn't. Cause I, again, it's one of those things that gave me a great perspective on being grateful for, you know, the things that I have now. Cause I did not have those when I was a little girl and I wanted to do gymnastics. That's what I wanted to do when I was a little girl, but, but it was expensive. It was really expensive and it wasn't part of this, the public school program. And, and, um, you know, for wrestling, all I had to do was come up with the, you know, 19 bucks for wrestling shoes. You know what I mean? So we, we did, I, I did wrestling. Um, but the other sports that I did, um, I ran, I mostly ran in high school. I ran track and I ran, uh, cross country. I did mostly long distance running. So in track, I did the two mile event, the one mile event, then the 800 and then the four by four. So, um, lots and lots and lots of running. Um, that's probably why I don't like running today. I probably really burnt myself <laughs> out. I'm not like five kilometers is like my, like done 3.1 or whatever, 3.2 miles. Yeah. Like that's good for me. Like That's all the running I do maybe three times a week. Now, did you know the metric system before you went to Singapore? I heard you use kilometers first. No, really barely at all. I knew, I knew 5k because of cross country. Um, and I knew that because of, because of sports that, uh, one one kilogram is 2.2 pounds. But that's it. My conversion now, because I cook over here and everything is in Celsius, so I'm getting oh, much wow. better at like, figuring that math out and being able to do it off the top of my head. But yes, great question. I don't know why the U.S., why us Americans use the system we do. It is makes way less sense than the metric system, but it's also what it's I'm used to. Metric so. System. so easy. Everything is multiple attempts. Yeah, it's so it's easy. Like it makes a lot system. of sense. Ours is retarded. It drives me crazy. It's like how is 12 inches a foot, but three feet yeah. is a yard. It doesn't make any sense. No, it's a lot of memorization as opposed to being systematic where the, the metric system is very systematic. It makes a lot of sense. Everything goes in tens and, and it's logical. Ours is just kind of like, well, yeah, we're just gonna, you know, take the average foot size of a, of a guy and we'll measure that. And then that'll be this. And then, you know, it's like, where did they, where did we come up with our system, you know, of measurement? It's like, but, oh yeah, this is arbitrary, let's do this. Yeah. 5,280 feet, why? 
Hey, hey, Misha, Michelle, Michelle wants to know your take on UFC's idea for Fight Island and also wants to know what one championship is doing to uh, bring back fighting in your area. Um, you know, the whole Fight Island thing, I feel like there's so much yet to really be discovered. But um, look, I, I feel like this is um, I feel like it came about because of COVID-19. But I also feel like it's much more than that. I mean, this is not like a this is not like something that's just to combat the COVID-19 situation. Like this is a long term. Like you don't invest in an island and making a training <laughs> facility and making a whole island about fighting if this is not something you're really going to invest in for the future. So I guess I'm curious. I don't have a whole lot. As you know, Dana hasn't told us where it is. He hasn't really, he's given some details, you know, that this is going to be a fight centric island and that there, there will be hotels, but it's really going to be based around the fighters. And I think it's kind of cool. I mean, it sounds fun. Like if I was still fighting, I think I'd want to be a part of it. Um, I know Valentina Shevchenko's like, I want to move there. I'm like, girl, <laughs> you don't right. even know where it is. She's just like me. Like, let's just go and shoot in the dark and what, you know, but that's, that's great. I think that's why she's such a, a, a phenomenal champion is that, you know, she's willing to just get out of her comfort zone, take risks, do whatever it takes to be ultimately dedicated. Um, so I'm very curious to see how this unfolds. I think it will be an integral part of the future of the UFC and fighters. And, um, yeah, I'm very interested to see. And what was the other part? Oh, one was, championship. What cha right? wait, one championship. Yeah. So man, we are, we are constantly looking for ways to reinvent the wheel because that's really where everybody's at, right? Is this is a, this is not normal and we are trying to find the best way to continue on while keeping everybody safe, you know, and, and I think, um, you know, something that people can recognize about one championship is like, we are, um, not going to risk uh the safety of like of the athletes and the, the staff and everybody um without like real consideration like it's it's not, our priority is the safety of our of our people first and foremost so we might be you know a little behind the curve as far as like we're not gonna be maybe the first ones to throw an event but we will be safe in in our approach and, and considerate of everybody and so we're we are working on it and um you know i don't think we're too terribly far off from being able to get you know like a closed venue something safe in a place that's safer but again we're not um we're not you know so desperate to like get something that is is going to put people in harm's way if that makes any sense you know we're really sure finite about the balancing act of it all and so you know we're just gonna we're gonna take it one day at a time and we're gonna figure it out and when the, the time is right and it feel it's safe and appropriate and we can take all the proper measures to do that then you know we'll we'll get back to to hosting live events but for the time being you know it's it's um we're kind of on a little bit on pause like i think the rest of the world is too it, it does one championship have more of a of a martial arts feel to it than an entertainment feel. That's, that's how I, I perceive it. Is, is that, am I seeing that correctly? Oh, I mean, I think it's a good combination of both. I think when people watch it, it is definitely entertaining, but with a different set of values, right? So we focus on exactly that of value. So when you bring up hmm. the point of martial arts, yes, if you look at the foundation of what martial arts was intended to be, the birthing place of martial arts. You look at all those old martial arts movies with Jackie Chan and whatnot. I mean, and and you know, 
you're looking at that and you're like, oh, you know, this is, um, this is culturally integrated in Asia. Like everyone here grows up doing some form of martial arts. It is very rare to meet an adult in Singapore, in Japan, in Thailand, in wherever that hasn't experienced or done some form of martial arts. And each place in Asia has their own form of like their own their own, each country basically has their own um integral part of martial arts that they grew up with that's that's a foundation to their culture and their values and then you think like we know well why do you put your kids in martial arts like why is it such it's to teach them you know discipline um to burn some energy sure you know but to teach them values to teach them discipline and and this is just a part of asia and i think that's why one championship is so successful here you know, as opposed to um, maybe some of the other organizations, you know, that are a little bit more edgy. Um, and it's just different, you know, neither one is really, you can't say one is right or one is wrong, but you know, it's going to have different appeals to different people who um, have different values. You know, I personally am a little bit more of a purist. I appreciate good fights with good people. Like I, I like that. I don't think everybody has to hate each other. I don't think, you know, everybody needs to be, you know, a Connor and talking trash and all this stuff. You know, I think it's kind of cool to see that, um, it's exactly the opposite. You know, it was such a stigma that we were trying to break. I remember, uh, when I was first starting that, you know, this is a barbaric sport and it's for uneducated people and it's, you know, so I think we're still kind of like, pushing that mindset, you know, that, Hey, this is not, you guys doesn't, it doesn't have to be so ugly. You know, it can be, um, amazing and entertaining and beautiful. And I think we have, you know, we have around a 70% finish rate here in one championship, which wow. people love, you know, it's about a 40% finish rate in the Western market. So I think there's a couple reasons for that. You know, I think very, very passionate individuals. And then I think also, you guys, we have um, Muay Thai and kickboxing as a part of our, as a part of our uh, mixed martial arts network too. So it's not just, um, yeah, like groundwork and like everybody doing mixed martial arts. Like it's actually, we kind of isolate certain parts of the sport and highlight that as well, which I know a lot of people are fans of the striking aspect of mixed martial arts. So we kind of take that and, that's a little cherry on top, I think. And we take some of the world's best strikers. I'm talking about from Europe, from Thailand, from wherever these, these guys come out, Russia, Italy, um, and they are badass. And they put on four ounce MMA gloves and they strike only. They'll kickbox or do Muay Thai. And it's really intense. I've never seen anything wow. like that. So, I mean, if you, if you want to be entertained, I definitely don't think that... <laughs> One championship will fail to deliver, but we're also going to, we're also going to deliver some moral integrity along with it. Something that you could feel good about your kids watching and, and you don't have to worry that, that there's going to be, you know, bad influence or scandals or just, you know, people doing things that I think you wouldn't want your kids to, to role model, you know, to want to aspire to be like, right? So I think that's the beautiful part about one championship. We're really trying to make a difference in the world, not just um you know our, our platform is humanity it, it really is and that's what we're trying to go for more so than just being you know about a, a quick buck and misha let me ask you a question i there was some talk about one championship coming to the united states right sure yeah is yeah. that is, is i know what all the what's going on it's probably stupid to ask but that was in the works and do you do you see that in the future within the next year or two or if we get back to some sort of normal 
Right. I think that's really the question, Ray, at hand is like, how long is it going to take for us to get back to something, you know, that resembles normal? Yeah. And um, yes, we were, we were on target for, you know, maybe the end of 2020 or beginning of 2021 to come and make a big splash. But I mean, think with COVID-19, you know, this could potentially um, have a trickle effect on the economy for, you know, 18 plus months. So yeah. easy, right. So as, as that kind of unfolds and we get a better idea of like, when is a good time to, to come over? I mean, it's still on the bucket list for sure. Um, and still on the docket. So we, we want to, we do want to make a bigger presence and a bigger impact and touch us soil. Absolutely. But the COVID-19 threw a real curveball for many people around the world. And, you know, yeah. we are um, just fortunately happened to be in an industry that I think can still can still thrive under this these circumstances you know I know a lot of businesses are really hurting and my heart goes out to them and the airlines the small businesses like everybody trying to make a way and live you know live the dream it's not an easy time for everybody right now so I guess I'm just grateful that I still have a job with one championship and you know that we're we're still finding a way um, it's just different we're we're having to go re reinvent the wheel yeah Exactly. Dinora, Dinora writes, Misha, Misha has inspired my life in so many ways, not only as a fighter, but also the way she carries herself. She's a role model to all of us. I'm dying to know what music gets her through these tough days. Okay, so I might be, I might disappoint a lot. Um, because, <laughs> because I am not, I have, I don't think I've really intentionally listened to music this entire quarantine and you know what i do listen to is audiobooks or like motivational things i'll listen to that before i listen to music if i'm listening to music a lot it's usually because i'm sad so that's a good <laughs> sign that is good like i use mo music when i have to like get through something emotionally turbulent other than that um if it's on i'll enjoy it. oh i did listen to that concert though i can't i can't say that but um i listened to the the one championship global citizen um concert that was on uh it was like a week ago or so a couple weeks ago and um that was really cool you know they had what uh, the rolling stones and um so many different artists on there um i'm trying to remember alanis morissette uh, Billie Eilish, like so many cool, wow. cool things. So I did listen to that, but I apologize that I am not cooler and more hip and whatever <laughs> my my music stuff. But um, I'm an audiobook listener. I'm I like to learn, so I'm I'm all about audiobook, and I, I like the real stories, like more like documentary type stories. Um, sure. I listened to one um, called Educated uh with uh westfield what's her name uh tara westfield oh man that's a really really good audiobook if you're into that kind of thing and I also listen to one running for my life forgive me i forget the author's name but um yeah a really cool story of i mean inspirational story right of, of trials hardship um and the things these people had to go through and the success they found uh man like those are the kinds of things that i like to listen to on the regular because it, it inspires me you know and it, and it continues to give me perspective of how hard some people have it you know it's it's and it, it regardless of how great or how awful our lives are it's just easy sometimes to lose perspective and to kind of forget a little bit like hey you know i have a lot of things to be grateful for and that listening to the other people's stories just always keeps me humble and keeps me grounded and keeps me remembering 
always that it could, it, you know, I have to be grateful and it, it could always be worse. Like even when times are hard, you know, so that's more what I listen to than, um, than any kind of music. Michael asks if Misha were to come back for a fight, but she can pick any Misha of that time, i.e. which fight she felt best for, which would she pick? Oh, you know, I really felt, um, I felt really good when I fought Holly. And um, the reason too, I, I like that fight is because I really feel like I was able to showcase something I had never done before. Um, and that was like an evolution in my striking game and an evolution like with head movement. I have always, and even after that fight, I kind of reverted a little bit to not really moving my head as much, but I give so much credit to my striking coach, Jimmy Gifford. He helped me. I mean, every day with his Boston accent, you gotta move your head. It was like every day, brush your teeth with your left hand. Do get your, get your left hand educated. You know, like it was just so cool. Like how he turned, a, he flipped the switch for me. I have never been somebody who really loved striking the way that I love grappling. But in that camp, I really fell in love with it. I fell in love with how I was going to use my striking to get to the ground still, because it's always been, you know, my stronger point. But I really didn't take much damage in that fight. Um, and, and I think like I really held my own against, you know, one of the best strikers out, you know, in the women's division. And um, I didn't get head kicked and I, I <laughs> did a lot of great things. So I think in that, that fight, I, I also think that I surprised her with how much I had evolved. I don't think they expected me to come in there with my head on a swivel, you know, and, and just being more like hard to hit. Cause I've always been like, I've always had this idea that I lead with my head. Right. And I, and I don't know if it's a conscious idea, but it's just the way that when I look back at my fight career, I was always kind of a go ahead and hit me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you pay for it. If you do, like, if you can touch me, I can touch you, you know? So I never tried to get out of the way of punches. Really. I just kind of was like, yep, that's part of it. I'm just going to take it, take it. And I'll still come forward and I'll grab a hold of you. And when I do, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. And <laughs> You know, so I never really tried to evade striking, like evade getting hit. But in that fight, it was such a focus because I really just, I didn't, I knew it was important not to get hit by her, especially for five rounds. You know, I mean, maybe Holly's not the heaviest puncher in the division, but you know, she's got some real crazy tricks up her arsenal. And if you run into her punches, which I definitely planned on coming forward, you know, um, you could see what happened to Rhonda. You know, she has great tools to lead you right into those heavy, you know, heavy hands and make her, make her body weight work behind her punches and her kicks are deadly. So I was like, yeah, maybe it's a great idea, this fight, to not just, you know, take that many on the butt. Misha, are you, Misha, are you telling me with a beautiful face like that? You didn't have a trainer tell you to move your head all those years? Is that what you're telling oh, me? Good. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm sure I did. I'm sure I did, but, you know, it just wasn't – it just didn't click. It was kind of like, yeah, yeah, you know, like, I'll be fine. You know, that – that 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 uh, uh, harder, not smarter. Yeah, that was definitely me in the majority of my career. Well, Ray, that's probably the most common thing, right? You could say something a thousand times, but they they won't hear it till they're ready to hear it, right? No, without a doubt. Yeah, you know, somebody was asking me about. I did a, an interview about the Gaethje Ferguson fight on like uh, game plan. I'm like, 
Gaethje is telling you. He doesn't get <laughs> shit. He's he's doing one thing, and he loves doing it. It's entertaining, and he's not stopping it. I don't think there's going to be much game planning for that. And Trev is a technical striking wizard coach, you know what I mean? But yeah, he likes to do what he's going to do, man, and that's it, you know. So I'm sure he could move his head if he wanted to, and you know, but his his, his game plan is just going forward and, you know, total destruction. Yeah, Gaethje's coach, Rose's coach, um, Trevor, he is just, uh, he's next level. I, I love, I've worked with him just a few times and it was post-career. Uh, well, that's not true. I worked with him a little bit on the, uh, um, I think it might, you know, actually it might have been mostly post-career. I think it probably was. And it was only scarce, like like three times probably, but really mind-blowing stuff every time that I've ever got a chance to, to work with him. And, and I'd still like to learn. People ask me this question a lot. Do you still train? Do you still, yes, I still love it. Um, I still enjoy training mixed martial arts, mostly focused on grappling. But, you know, when I get the chance to work with some people who are great with their striking, I enjoy learning that aspect of it, too. You know, and Ray, you and I have never really had the chance to work together. But if we ever do, I'm totally down to pick your brain. <laughs> uh, any, any day. I would love it. Love it. I'd love it more than you would love it. Trust me. <laughs> Steve, Steve Lee, did you have a question, brother? I did have a question. I don't know. I can't remember. Ray was uh, – all right. Um, I have a question. Starstruck. I, was just well, I, have a, I have a question. I haven't seen Misha in a the while. The doc. Hey, how do, you, how, do you see the, uh, how do you see the sport evolving in the future? Which, which direction would you like it to take? Oh, well, I don't even know if that's something I could really um, – really see into I mean obviously there's some changes that I would like to see I'd like to see fighters make more money I'd like to see you know um, equal opportunity continue to um, evolve globally I think we had have done a pretty good job now in the western market pretty good you know there's room for improvement still but I think you know that that women fighting is not no longer a weird or foreign concept um for the most part i think it's pretty widely accepted that women can do it we do it well it's great it's entertaining but in the rest of the world there's still like some real apprehension and real um not accepting of women um you know it, and that can start from the ground up culturally even you know um just parents not wanting to put their female like their their children uh their daughters into a form of mixed martial arts you know but they'll do it for their sons you know i, I feel like that has changed tremendously um in the western markets and uh, now you see you know oftentimes a very close to equal amount of girls in a classroom um little girls five six seven years old and they're doing jujitsu and their geese and doing all that stuff and you didn't used to see that when i would look back i mean wrestling and all those different sports you know women's wrestling now in the u.s is you know what's still one of the fastest growing sports so that's really cool to see but but there are a lot of places you know throughout asia like let's take thailand for an example you know women definitely have a glass ceiling when it comes to muay thai if they want to train and fight in muay thai they're not never going to have the equal opportunity to fight with the guys they're still like i think lumpini stadium and a couple other of like the top echelon in thailand like that is the cream of the crop like if you make it there you have made it in muay thai women are not even allowed to fight there it's considered bad luck because they're women and it's bad for the rest of the guys on the card. I mean, come on, it's ridiculous, you know? So I, there's still some giant steps we need to make to just have equal opportunity everywhere. And um, 
I mean, we just got to continue to put one foot in front of the other. So that's, those are the changes I would like to see. And I, I'm glad one championship has a strong presence in Asia and, and from day one has really been very equal opportunity. Angela Lee is like one of our biggest stars, um, period. She's almost the face of the company. She's just, and she's wonderful and she's great. And she's an amazing fighter and she's everything that you could ever hope for. And, and, you know, in, in a, in a woman who is just strong and empowered. So I love that. And I just hope that we continue to break ground there, um, you know, and around the world for, for everybody to have equal opportunity. I have no doubt that when you're involved with it, it'll happen. Thank you. You're welcome. Jason, did you have a question, buddy? I do. Um, I know that we touched upon weight cutting. What is the, cause I never fully understood the one championship method of weight cutting. I know the weight class is like lightweights 170 instead of 155 and whatnot. But what yeah. like what does one championship do to ensure a, a safer weight cut? Well, basically, we have eliminated the weight cut. So essentially, there is no weight cut. So what we do is we take um, oh my gosh, now I forget the name of the these little these little things. But essentially, what they do, you you pee into them, and they use like a reverse osmosis gravity system to pull the particles of hydration versus the particles of waste. And they tell you basically how, how hydrated you are. So you have to be at a certain level uh, of hydration. And so basically hydration testing to answer your question in short, we hydrate. So we consider, we basically take out the weight cut. So in, in other organizations where weight cutting is allowed, what happens is the fighters dehydrate themselves 10, 15, 20 pounds, sometimes more, depending how big the guys are. If they're big, big guys, they can cut a bigger amount of weight. Um, but minimum, it's usually 10 pounds of water weight. So just imagine if you just went in a sauna and just tried to sweat or run um, until you lose 10 pounds of water weight, no drinking water and no eating food. You're just going to deprive yourself of nutrition and water and hydration 24 hours before you're supposed to have the best performance of your life. You know what I mean? It kind of seems a little bit counterproductive and research now even tells us that prolonged doing this can, ca can cause you to put on fat on your organs because your body goes into survival mode. It's like, when's the next time that our body is going to be severely deprived? How can we... Um, make sure that we will survive that and not die essentially. So you're, you're literally putting yourself on the verge of death. Like if you went into the hospital, they probably freak out and be like, this person is severely, have you been stuck in the desert for three days? Like, what have you been doing? Like you need to get an IV like right now, you're really in bad shape. And so what one championship does is we don't allow that, but we still consider it that weight class, the weight class that you could cut to. So we, if it's 145, you weigh in at 155. It's 150, you weigh in at one set. The weight, essentially, the weight class higher. You're still considered a lightweight or a featherweight, whatever that weight class is, um, but you weigh in hydrated. So we just skip the whole weight cutting process instead of, and, and that's what happens too. Is immediately after after a weight cut, if you do that, you get off the scale. I mean, you see what do they, what do the athletes do right away? Well, the fighters right away do drinking. They start drinking. They grab their Pedialyte. They grab the water, and the coaches have to encourage them to slow down, to not drink it so fast, because their stomach has been empty for so long. It can make you really sick. So, you know, they have 24 hours to rehydrate. Now the IV has been banned, so you have to do it all like through your stomach. And um, 
it's it's a pretty brutal process and you can even like lose water off of your brain if you get dehydrated enough which also can lead to like to to more brain trauma like we really need that in a full contact sport <laughs> so, okay. so essentially yeah we we hydrate make sure the athletes are hydrated they have to be they they pee on on the hydration testing piece. Um, they have to pass hydration. Then they get on the scale and they have to pass their weight check. And um, they do that twice just to make sure that there's no um, there's no errors. Uh, and you know that somebody's I, I don't know how you you can't really cheat the system very much in that sense. I mean you have to be hydrated. So um, yeah, we we just eliminated that, took it out of the out of the game, and I think that's really great. And that also might be part of the reason why we have more finishes the day of because people can actually have gas tanks to push hard in the third and, and or fifth round. You know, they're not gassing out from terrible weight cuts. Very interesting. Would you like to see everyone in the MMA adopt that type of weight cutting strategy? I mean, I like it personally. I think it's, um, it's necessary. Absolutely. Um, why, you know, why do we want to do that to, to any, I mean, why do we want to encourage our athletes to, to shorten their, their career? I think, and I think it does. I think like really severely weight cutting and doing damage to the body that's a vehicle, you know what I mean? It's like, right. why would we want to do that? So, um, if everybody, if everybody's on the same playing field, then it's it's okay like you can either take the weight cutting out of it or you can keep it in there and everybody's gonna abide by the same rules so why not just take it out and let everybody be hydrated and healthy and like yeah. you said especially now since we know better so why have such an outdated way of doing it and i'm, yeah. I'm sure you've seen a lot of horror stories in your day with people cutting weight like we all have i mean it's i've seen some pretty brutal weight cuts where it is it's really, it's tough to look at, man. And like people have been near death. Oh, I've, sent, I've sent more than one person to the hospital to get, I mean, you know, to get yeah. hydrated because they've had horrible weight cuts and their organs are shutting down. Yeah, yes. crazy. Yeah, I, I actually, you know, so so my ex, uh, Brian, um, you know, we had been together a really long time through all of it. And I remember him taking a fight on short notice and his weight cut was horrific. And he did not, pee despite massively hydrating i mean it was bad he was curled up on the on the floor of the locker room with zero energy we had we were at he was actually in the showers and we had hot showers running and we were just trying to like rub his body to get like because he was so close he was like an ounce or two and um so that's what we talk about like sarah mcmahon her corner came and helped us too like trying to help him cut because he was in such bad shape like her and her corner it was so sweet and um, everyone was just kind of trying to rub, rub him to create heat to get that last little bit off, you know, like he was covered in towels, right? So, I mean, horrific things that people do, like the extent to go to make weight. And then he didn't pee for like 12 hours. And when he did, wow. there was like dark brown in it. Like, so his kidneys yeah. obviously- Yeah, though, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah, and Sarah, you probably better than me. Yeah. Steve, did you have a question for Misha? Um, yeah, I was actually just really curious, just in terms of, like, your mindset, um, like, uh, when you retired, because you retired pretty, like, close to still being on top, really, like, you weren't, you won the title of UFC 196, and I think you retired in New York, roughly, so it couldn't have been too far off, um, like, what, what was, like, that shift, like, for you, I'm sure you've talked about it before, but in terms of, like, you know, being so close to the top to just um, being done with the sport entirely? That way, that is, you know, it was a short transition, actually, you know, pretty much inside of a year, I'd say roughly that, um, that I was champion, and then I retired. 
but um, maybe, you know, I, I don't know how I can put that really into words. I think really, um, you know, I, I hit that top and I worked really hard for a really long time to get there. And, um, you know, I, I think that I knew I lacked the motivation, at least at that time, I was just exhausted. I would lack the motivation to get back to the top to put that much work in. You know, I had climbed that mountain so many times. I finally reached the pinnacle. I finally reached the top. And, and um, yeah, I think there was a number of contributing things, you know, that, that affected those performances. Um, but at the same time, you know, you can't really make up excuses for it. You know what I mean? It's just that, like at the, at the end of the day, my passion changed and that's what I had to come to terms with, you know, is when your love and passion for something is no longer what it was at one point, then, you know, it's not, it's not a safe, it's not, it's not a game, you know, it's, it's not a something that you should, that you should toy with. And I had to just make that decision and I've always been true to my heart, you know, so that's really what it came down to, you know, when I fought in New York and I was just like, man, I just didn't even really, I, I kept fighting because I'm, because I, I hung in there, but I, I just wasn't able to give everything that I had. And it was a mental block, mental and emotional more than physical. You know, I was in good shape and I trained hard and I had good training camp, you know, but I should really didn't have that at that moment in time, you know, and, and I was curious whether that would change or not, but you know, life has changed in other directions and I'm still like, I'm so happy where I'm at. Awesome. Everybody, you can follow Misha Tate on social media on Instagram. She is Misha Tate on, on Facebook. She is Misha Tate fan page, and on Twitter, she's also Misha Tate. You can follow her on One Championship. She has a blog article from the mind of Misha Tate. She also posts videos on her social media pages. Misha, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Thank you for connecting, and and uh, we really, really appreciated having you on. That was yeah. a pleasure. I loved it. I got to tell you, and, and I'm blown away just, you know, I never really had the opportunity to talk to you this much, but you speak so beautifully. And amazing. Such a, it's really amazing. I think the UFC blew something really big, man. You would have been a great, great front man for the UFC as far as for female fighters. I mean, I'm, I'm really had a great time just listening to you tonight. I never got a chance to meet you that well. You know what I mean? We'd always always yeah. boring. How you doing? But what a, what a sweetheart, man. I really... Wish you the best of luck, and I'm so happy for you. I think this is phenomenal, you know. So, really, best of luck to you, and really hope to connect with you someday. Would love it. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Ray. I really appreciate that. And and um, you know, I still have a lot of love for the UFC. You know, it's I know I'm I'm on the other side of it now, but um, they were you know they they were an integral part of my career, and I'll, I'll always have a you know sweet spot in my heart for them too. And and um, I love what I'm doing here with One Championship. So I'm just. Yeah, man, I'm just still trying to chug along here and make a difference. So thank no, you guys beautiful. for beautiful. Being, you know, being a part of that journey this morning, get the message out there, and, and uh, it was really fun to talk to you guys. Thank Great. you so much, Misha. We really Bye. appreciate it. Bye. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye, guys. And how great was that, Misha Tate? Misha yeah, Tate. No, I really, uh, really meant that, man. I mean, what a – she I, I really, listen, what a I command when she of does you know, her knowledge. Shows. Yeah. And I did see her documentary. You should go back and look at it. I saw a, I guess it was a snippet, but really came out of an RV and just, you could see if you didn't have the love and the passion to do what you're doing and to take chances and risks, uh, you'll get a good glimpse of that. And that was 2010, which to me seems like yesterday. Cause you know, if I go you, back if to you like, listen, you hear that now though, even when she was talking about, yeah, you know, no, no, it comes like this. It, it, it's, it's real. Yeah. 
yeah, she has that now. She's like, hey, we're 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 changing the meals. We're doing a tour around the world of meals, and you you bring up Epcot. She's still doing that now. That's that's she said it. That's who she is. Yeah, and no, you uh, can. And if you go, I'm telling you, if you go back and look at that, yo, she's telling you that back then. It was great. It was yeah. really great. There's levels to this, and when when you reach that level that's that's what that mindset sounds like and and i know that you you hear it on occasion ray you've said every now and then you get somebody who's who's at that level there's levels to this and that's yeah. what that sounds and like I and tell i you, feel bad and I, told Steve, her. And, I, and I really mean it i really think the ufc blew a great opportunity after what i just heard i she would have been no, i didn't realize how well she spoke yeah. Yeah. So, she would have been fantastic you she's know? on. She's on an uh, MMA show uh, that I listened to when I would be going to the gym, and I haven't listened to in a month because I haven't listened to Sirius or XM in a month because I, I don't ever leave. But uh, yeah, she, the way she breaks down fights, she's articulate, and she'll talk about any topic in an articulate, educated manner. And and listen to what we said when somebody asked about music. She's doing what we're doing. She's audiobooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, you know, audiobooks. So yeah, it's a uh, that that was really awesome, and I actually feel bad because I I told her it would be about anywhere from twenty minutes to an hour, and the reason why I was like, oh hey, thanks for coming on, because we had her on here for an hour. That was the fastest oh, hour. Wow. That was and, the and, fastest that, and that really goes to show you. I mean, she didn't like again. She didn't give any inclination. She wanted to get out of here. No nope. the conversation was flowing. Uh, it was flowing. She, I was just being was, respectful. Oh, yeah, she el she elaborated on every answer. There was no short, you know, no. one word. And I mean, she was. I, I tell you, I'm, I really mean it. it. Was it was really a pleasant surprise. She was fantastic, literally fantastic. Yeah, I'll yeah. we we want to. I'm gonna just go over a couple of the fights before before we close out because uh, we did have questions from people about uh, what you think about the result: Ferguson Gaethje, Cejudo Cruz. Um, the Nunez Spencer fight was scratched, but Ferguson Gaethje, Cejudo Cruz, some some analysis, some, some my predictions. Action with that 135-pound title. Absolutely atrocious. I don't know. <laughs> what, the hell? I don't know. So what the hell? How do they keep? Yes. Oh no! I mean, how does Dominic Cruz get a freaking title fight? Close the door. Because everyone's afraid. He's in my room. Because everyone's afraid of Aljo in that sense. I think I think that Aljo is a huge risk for for a fighter. No, he's a huge a huge risk for a fighter. And and again in that in that entertainment kind of field, that's Aljo is a huge risk. And so um, you know he's he's looking big. He's looking strong. He's looking clean. He's looking. It's it's. I understand it. Don't like it, but I, I understand it. But Aljo's going to be undeniable whenever things get He's back to whatever the new I, I mean, normal is. You know, because that's just the way they work, but it's upsetting to me. But I mean, who do you think wins, Cejudo or Cruz? Cejudo. Unfortunately, Cejudo. You know, no, I don't know why. I feel like there's going to be some weird fuckery and Cruz is going to win. The, the, the thing well, that I don't like, understand what do you mean? What, what would the fuckery look like? A weird stop. The fuckery could look all kinds of way. A weird stoppage, a bad decision. The fuckery could look weird. I don't know. But I, I can see Cruz tearing his other ACL again, just like walking up the steps. Yeah, like, see, that, 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 that's the problem. I agree uh, with Steve. I think 
something happens in that. That's why I'm going to say Cejudo's going to win. Yeah. It's almost like even when he fought Dillashaw, I mean, he couldn't even walk. That's the crazy I, part. I think Cejudo will capitalize on that. I, yeah. You know, I don't know how he's – This is a few years removed from that. Exactly. A lot of years removed from that. So, I just don't I just don't know how he's going to hold up. I think that's the fuckery. Yeah. I completely if that's considered fuckery. If there's any, like, benefit to him, I think this short notice, like, I think that only kind of helps him, I guess. If from, he hasn't fought in four years, so he got to be fresh. No, you're right, too. Like, that's, that's huge. Like Injury-free. Not yeah. time on the shelf isn't always a bad thing. So I mean, injury free is going to be a stretch for a guy like him. I think, like to be yeah, injured. I don't think he's injury free. Yeah, I, I think for a guy like him, there's probably not as injured as he would be. But no, I mean, I, I can't ever think four years off is going to help a guy's career. I, like, and I got to tell you, for his style of constant moving. I think he needs that work in the gym. You know, I think, you know, that's, there's a lot of timing that goes with that little nuances that I think are going to make a big difference. You know, like, uh, I won't even call it ring rough. That just, you know, he needs some sort of, uh, you know, somebody in front of him. I I don't know. It depends on how he's trained and I don't know how anybody's going about it. Yeah, go ahead. I just cannot understand the logic behind even scheduling this fight, his last fight, I believe, was Cody Garbrandt, where he got to now look at what Cody Garbrandt is. Uh, you know, three fight losing streak. Like Styles makes fights too. I mean, like they got. He lost that fight. He yeah. Yeah. To Cody yeah, he lost. That's what I'm saying. Like now, look at a three fight losing streak. Cody Garbrandt, who's thinking yeah. about going down the flyweight because he can't handle Vanderbilt anymore. Yeah. Right. Crazy how it turned out. I mean, to answer your question, Jason, there's no rhyme. Or reason for it. Well, there is a rhyme and a reason. It's wherever they think they can grab the most money. Well, I was going to say, yeah. well, that's, well, that's it's exactly not it. Based on mer- it's not based on merit, which is what we all would love it to be. Of course. And that's why Aljo's getting fucked out of this. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of sucks, you know. So, welcome to uh, the world. <laughs> that's that's really it. serious as an organization. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, as far as title contention and stuff like that. I love the fights, but as far as, like, a serious sport, yeah, you could never see in the Super Bowl them pulling a team that was not yeah. even making it to the playoffs to right. fight to play in a Super Bowl. But because you're more popular, you'll, you'll, you'll sell yeah, more yeah. shirts. You know, where, where, where's the doc? Doc, you know what it would be yeah. like? Who's that, who's that good-looking tennis player, the blonde? Oh, Sharapova? Yeah, it would be like pulling her into the finals. Right when somebody gets injured instead of number two, three, or four. She has a fan base. That's what it's like. Yeah, it really is. Well, I'll be honest. As a casual fan of tennis, that's the problem, though. Like, I would know Maria Sharapova over two, three, and four. So, like, that, I get it. Like, well, that, well, that's but, the but thing a lot of people will know Dominic Cruz think... over Aljo. So no, what? exactly. As a casual fan, that's why I understand, like, from a business perspective, like, the UFC, like, it's unfortunate, but, like, you know, I, as a casual fan of this sport, no. But, but Steve, my point is tennis doesn't do that. Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, proper sport. No, no, no. I'm saying money-wise, that makes sense, though. Damn, that's terrible. Yeah. No, no. I get it. Anyway, I'll tell you what. Well, I'm great. looking up their followers. Who has more followers? How <laughs> doing oh, yeah. Dominic Cruz? Well, I'm looking it up. Yeah, I'm telling yeah, you right. Th- back while Adam doing his uh, research. Man, I'm I think that <laughs> battle we're winning that one. All right, this is uh, I don't know if Dominic I ever Cruz is in, 
Wow, he has a million followers, Dominic Cruz. I'm I don't know if I ever trust Manimal searching up something again. Can I explain that, Jason? That yes, ranking made more sense than the Jason ranking, and but, I'm going to tell you why. You can't rank Derek Brunson over Anderson Silva when Anderson has a, a win over him. So that doesn't mean it's not the real rankings. Ranked over yeah. Silva. It doesn't just make sense. Just because it's an opinion-based <laughs> ranking doesn't well, mean it's a manimal. Manimal, let me ask you something. Did you think Aljo had more followers than Dominic Cruz? I thought they were close. How close were they? Tell us. No, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> Dominic Cruz, he's well, in front of a that? TV camera How many does have? I'm, every Aljo episode. got a buck 40. And then Dominic so, Cruz has a million, surprisingly. So he's got 10 times the amount. Oh, uh, let's yeah, say like seven. Surprise. I thought it was going to be close. <laughs> That's how you know Manimal's a loyal guy. There you go. He's definitely, a, yeah. he's definitely a loyal guy. Nobody's denying that. The point that. of delusion, really, honestly. The point exactly of delusion, which I understand that. I'm fine with that. Whatever yeah, that if you told me, uh, whatever I witnessed you it. say, nobody what talking about. He's like a model. You know? I, I witnessed it. I, I witnessed it. Uh, what was the fight that we were watching? And, I have Quinter and, and uh, Cowboy. He went for the heel oh, at yeah. the end of the round. I gave him that round. Yeah. Yeah. I gave him. I gave him the round because he cut kicks or only off his feet. Whatever round that was, I gave it to him. <laughs> no, but listen, I'm. Compl- I will be the first one to tell you with my boys. I am completely biased, and I don't care. I'll go. I'll be that way the whole way. I don't give a shit. That's the way I'm built. That's, that's what that's makes you. That's what makes you the animal. Who do you guys? Th- who do you guys have for uh, Ferguson Gaethje? Does Gaethje? So. Does Gaethje have a chance in the first couple of rounds? The Gaethje's longer, got like, two rounds to yeah, put he, away Ferguson. He has a hundred percent has a chance, but I'm going with Ferguson. Ferguson. Yeah, I mean, look, you can never count Gaethje out, but I, I'll also definitely not. Gaethje's a real. Ferguson, yeah. What's Gaethje's big threat? That he hits hard. Power. Like, Power and doesn't care if he gets hit. Moves forward. Hard leg kicks. Wait a minute. He has hard leg kicks. Oh, you like kicks wow. too. Yes. So, man, so man well, you're going, you're, you're picking Colin Ferguson. Colin Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what fight I would like to see if the UFC would make it happen? Iaquinta versus Poirier. I'd like to see that fight. I think that'd be a great matchup. That'd be very interesting. I'd like that. I like yeah. personally. I was thinking about that fight. I, I that would be a nice match. I think that'd be a great fight. Really good. You know, yeah, I know it's cards, uh, but I'm just putting it out there in the universe. Put it out there. Put it out. I read that. Uh, it's one I want to see. Oh, I think it would be what, good. What if you get called to fight Island Manimal? <laughs> I'd ask Ray. Ray. Well, Ray. I don't think Ray's going to fight Island. Ray, are you going to fight Island? If I go, it'll be in a kayak. <laughs> okay. yeah, I mean, uh, listen, I was thinking about that because I had a dream about it, but uh, I don't think it's actually going to come to reality. But if it does, Ray, you want to kayak to Fight Island? I'm going to kayak with you. Yeah, let's get a canoe. We'll put a couple of guys in. <laughs> It'll be the training. It'll be your no, cardio. Instead of, you know, like, one of those, uh, like one of those rowing things from college. Instead of having a 12-man crew, yeah. we'll have like three so we could social distance. So let's do a dragon boat, yeah. <laughs> oh, we could do a dragon boat. It's a good idea. Dana White says that there will like be a real no fight. fans. There will be no fans at uh, uh, Fighter Island. However, the octagon will be on the beach. Oh, that's fantastic. I love that. Honestly. And there will be a hurricane. Yeah, there'll be no 
no fans, but a lot of fish will be watching. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fish. Okay, so fighter trick. I kick sand. They need to keep that that thing covered. Okay, so we have three events coming: May 9th, May 13th, May 16th. There's a Saturday, a Wednesday, and a Saturday. UFC coming back strong, Jacksonville, Florida. Um, uh, it seems like all three are going to be at that uh, Veterans Memorial Arena. Uh, not sure what, what where they'll be broadcast. The, the the second two will be broadcast. It's it's ESPN's call as what as to where they'll be broadcast. But there will be an event May 9th, then Wednesday the 13th, and then Saturday the 16th again. Uh, super excited to get them back, right? I mean, I watched jujitsu today. Chael Sonnen put on another show. I watched that today for that couple hours. That Those that were good matches. Austin Vanderford looked good. He choked out uh... – and it didn't look that way. It looked like he was oh. going to lose in those first couple of seconds. Hody, Hody choke out? The uh, boogeyman. The guy from 10th Planet. Richie the 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt. Big, I know his the, name's the boogeyman. Guy, the boogeyman, yeah. Um, but it was, it was pretty good. He came back strong and finished him with the head and, uh, arm, choke. Head and arm choke, One which is really good. Too, and then Craig Jones snapped that guy's ankle within the first yeah, 60 seconds. He's a beast, too. Yeah. Christ, I'm down to do submission on the ground. I gotta watch that. Oh, that looked good, submission on the ground. What's up? Yeah. I like the submission on the ground. I like doing jujitsu in a cage because then you can work a cage. Here's what I'll say, though. Like, what I did, this was, like, kind of, like, the worst-case scenario in the sense of, like, they needed a guy with immediate medical supervision. Like, yeah, immediate. Yeah. And, I mean, you could just see, like, they were not prepared, you know. The ref's like, hey, get a doctor in here. You know, you got to fix his knee. Right. Like, Get a doctor. And then, you, and then uh, Joe Exotic shows up in the EMT vest. Yeah, no, 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 this is – you just missed it. You missed the mark. This is where Ray comes in with his doctor, the famous – Dr. Vinny Bombats. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We're, we're, gonna, we're, we're going to get going because we're almost up on our meeting time. I want to let you know that Misha just text. That was great. You guys are awesome. So that's that. That's great to hear from the great Misha Tate. Thank you, Manimal, for behaving. Thank you, Steve Lee, for designing new shirts at Law MMA. Where could they find the new shirts? Uh, you can follow our Instagram page at Law underscore MMA. That's going to be on the Forever Fierce website. That's the brand. Forever Fierce website as well. Yep. Um, and, uh, seriously, guys, if you could buy those shirts before May 15th. I have, another, I have another caddy payment though on the eighth. None of those payments will go to Ray. I promise Excellent. you. <laughs> Excellent. And you can find Ray Longo at Ray Longo MMA. You could also hear Ray on the Anakin Florian podcast. Uh, you could check uh, check out the Anakin Florian podcast. Also with some new merch, new website. Uh, and Steve, you can really also sure. find me at on the line at Starbucks every Tuesday and Thursday <laughs> at four o'clock if you want. And he loves when you when you offer fighting advice. Yes. And it, and Jason loves when you order an iced coffee with no ice in it. Exactly. <laughs> Jason, how can they find you, sir? Jason Maraboli on Instagram and Twitter. Simple enough. Uh, the Doc. Steve Lee, how can people find the Doc? You can find the Doc on Instagram at Doc Combat Sports. You can find me at Tevin Wee. Nice. Manimal, how can they find you, sir? Guys, you can find me at Manimal on Twitter and Instagram. I'm pretty sober, so I am actually more wild than ever. So. And then whatever. Where my one a.m. 
promo every time I'm on MMA. <laughs> <and beyond. laughs> and where, I'll tell you where you should never find them, hopefully ever again, is that Stop and Shop in Garden City. You better never show up there again. Or his ghetto beaches. <laughs> Folks, I got a lot of free time on my hands. I could be anywhere. <laughs> Folks, we appreciate you listening. Make sure you check out our sponsors and include audible.com slash the MMA and beyond. You can uh, get a free downloadable book uh, as well as uh, onit.com slash MMA and beyond. The Wimster Warriors program is up moving. They have some fantastic, follow them on their social media pages. That's Wimster Warriors. They have excellent programs, uh, ideas, workout ideas, and they really are coming together as a community. So we'll continue to push them, especially when we get back in business. Steve Lee, get that gym open. I can't Make wait. Make the call, Steve Lee. Get Make that gym call. open. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get on the phone with the commissioner. So, so this yeah. stops happening, sir. <laughs> and so, uh, folks, we really appreciate it. Thank you again to Misha Tate for coming on. And uh, that was really awesome. And, and if she's listening, thank you for staying for an entire hour. That's amazing. Uh, folks, this is MMA and Beyond. We'll catch you next time. Later.